So this is our last uh, lesson on biblical biology. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Um, the word created was to create, to cause, to come into being from thought or imagination, to shape or to form. And in, Galatians, uh, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 16, we are told, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the, he made the stars also. He made to make his... or to to be made is to fashion, to accomplish, to make, to press or to squeeze. So we see divine activity here, created, made or formed, creative, pur purposeful creation, intelligent design and activity of mind and thought by God to bring something into being. But I suppose the question is, how did God make them? Given that God doesn't have a hand, how did he squeeze it into place? Given that God is spirit, how did he actually form things? How did he make things? The Bible tells us that he fashioned them with his word. I, I was thinking of a, a passage of scripture just uh, before I, that I haven't included in my set of slides. And I want to read it to you. It's in, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. And it says, And by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so what we have is that God actually used his word to fashion, to form and to make those things that are not seen. By faith we grasp that. It's hard for us to imagine that. It's hard for us to understand what it is. But God used his word, his powerful word, and his word formed them. His word made them. His word squeezed them into being. From nothing they came into substance, they came into being by his word. Genesis chapter 1 shows us this in verse 3. It says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. The word said is to say, to speak, and to utter. The qual is the tense in which it's used, though. It means to say, to answer, to say in one's heart, to think, to command, to promise, and to intend. That's what that word means. So he spoke. And he, as he spoke, the world came into being. And God saw that the light was there and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And, the God, and God called the light day. And that was before there was a sun and that was before there was an earth. He had light and darkness. He had night and day. And so he called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So what we have is a... A fact that he called, he named something, he proclaimed something, he gave it a name. So here we have God speaking. He speaks something into existence. Then he looks at it and he says, this is what I will call it. This is what I will name it. And so he names it and he gives it a call and then he gives it a value. He says it was good. He says, so the triune God, that's God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit created. They spoke creation into being. And then he named what he had created and he called it and proclaimed that it was good. In John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3, we're told these, these words by John. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with, was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things came into being or all things were made or came into existence. The word made means came into existence by him and without him was nothing made that was made so here we have the godhead the triune god the spirit of god is over the faces of the deep the spirit of god is there 
God the Father is there and God the Son and the Word of God is there. And when God speaks the light into being, Jesus brings it into being. He brings it into being. It becomes substance. Light becomes substance. I know there's arguments whether light's a particle or whether, it is it, or whether it's just a wavelength, but that's not where we're going. He brought it all into being. He clothed himself with light. In the creation of man, we see the triune God speak. He says, and God said, let us make man in our image. And this is the most amazing thing. You know, the Jews who say there is only one God and Jesus Christ can't be God will embrace this verse quite readily and say, this is their Torah. This is their law. You know, it's, it, this is what it says in our word. And it's these words that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over, the, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God spoke man into being. He formed man from the dust of the earth. Part of that likeness that we have in the likeness of being made in the likeness of God is that he gave us the faculty of speech. I want you to think of that. We, we often talk about being created in the likeness of God and being created in his moral likeness. So we have the values of God, the moral values of God on the inside. But one of the other things that is distinctive about humanity is their mind and their brain and their ability to communicate through speech. You, you don't get that with animals. You, God didn't bring other animals to a giraffe and ask a giraffe, hey, giraffe, would you like to name the rest of the animals? And so man was just an animal. No, he brought man, he brought the animals to man and man was distinctive in those created beings, different to the others. Man's mind was different. His ability to think was different. His idea to reason was different. He could actually name an animal, call it by name and retain that and converse with God on the subject. And so God in, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 says he, I, I, he made uh, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and he brought them to, unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof, it says. So he said, okay, Adam, you come along with me. I created and I've named the sky and I've named the earth and I've named these things. He says, now it's your turn. You come with me, Adam. I made you in my likeness. Come with me now. Name the animals. And so speech was a very important thing for humans. Speech was something like the Godhead had speech. And we know that God communicated the boundaries to man through speech. So he, he sat down with Adam and, and he says to Adam, look, um, I, this is what I'm commanding you, man. He didn't say it to Eve because Eve wasn't created at that point in time. So Eve got this information from Adam. So this is, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For if in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So he communicated that with his words to Adam. Adam had a mind and a brain. He could understand the words that God, I don't know what language God was speaking, but it was a language that, that Adam could understand. He would hear it with his ears. He could understand it with his mind and uh, he could understand what that meant. 
man was able to speak and he could understand God's words. And the serpent knew that. And so the serpent was able to speak to Eve and deceive Eve. So the serpent used words to deceive. So it was this whole idea of words, creative words, powerful speech. God's word is full of power. The Bible tells us that the power of life and death in God's word. So God is able to speak life and God is able to speak death. We know that when he was creating everything, he spoke life and things began to live. Hearts began to beat. Things began to exist. Things came into being. His words produced life. And when he spoke death, things began to die. We scientists today don't know why we die. In our bodies, everything that works in our bodies says that we should live forever. They are puzzled at the fact that the DNA mutates. They don't know what mutates it. They know it mutates and after it's mutated enough, you die. But they don't know why it mutates. It should not mutate because everything rejuvenates itself. We should be living forever. That's what, the, that's what our bodies are made. We are made to live forever. But God spoke death into us. We're, the scientists are trying to find out how that happened and, and what actually is doing it. And they, they think they've isolated it down now to some um, DNA things that are or chemicals that are in there that are actually causing the death. But we are not created to die. God spoke that we would die. When, we, when he spoke we would live, we were alive. He says, right, now you've sinned. He said, you're going to die. He says, and on the Lord God commanded a man, you are to eat of the tree, of any, from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good. And for when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. God spoke it out. Man, man ate of it. And man began to die at that point. God spoke death into him. He says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. That was it. You're going to die. Everybody, your body's going to turn back to dust. That's just the legacy. God spoke it into being. Science doesn't know why, but that's where we're getting. That's where we're going. Unless the rapture comes and we be changed and turned into an immortal body, We'll all die if that doesn't take place in our lifetime. So the power of life and death still reside in the tongue. And we're told that in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So here's something really creative. God creates, he uses his words, he uses his speech, and there's power, there's life and there's death in his tongue, in his speech. And he said, I'm going to create you in my image and I'm going to give you the power of speech. And so he gives each one of us the ability to speak. And along with the ability to speak, he gives you the power of life and the power of death in your mouth. It's still there. The proverb says, it's there. With the tongue comes life and comes death and those who love it will eat its fruit. What You can speak life or you can speak death. Well, this lovely guy, come on, uh, Cyril Westbrook, came and visited us last night. Just dropped round to our house in the rain. Uh, you know, he's about, how old would he be, mum? Yeah, he gives his regards. 80-something? Cyril Westbrook, yeah. 80-something years old. Old, old guy. You know, they said, oh, we're coming around. And Jenny sort of hurried around and made something 
cups of coffee for them and stuff like that to get it all ready. They drive in the driveway. Jenny goes out to wave to them and they take off down the street <laughs> like they didn't even see us, you know. And then we got a phone call about 15 minutes later. We got lost. <laughs> so when they came back and we sat down. What a, what a, he's really got his nous with him, you know. His, his mind is clear and active. But he says, so we're just here, we just want to encourage you. We're just here, we just want to bless you. We're just here, we just want to minister to you. And so this 80-year-old guy, out of the blue, comes around and he's with his lovely little wife and sits down and have a cup of tea and he just wants to bless us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to speak words of life to us. Think about that. You know, he, he, he's eating the fruit of that. He's running around the countryside. He just came from the old guy down the end of the street, uh, uh, Mr. Fong. He knows Mr. Fong, and Mr. Fong's not well, but he's driven all the way from Pine Rivers down to Mr. Fong's place to encourage him, to inspire him. He's not got many more days on this earth, he says, so we just come to pray with him. Yeah, he's eating the fruit of his, a creative mouth that's giving life and sustenance and nourishment to somebody. He's, he's alive with something of the Spirit of God and he's using his words to invest into, into this man's life. You think, man, this guy knows about this thing. He's eating the fruit of it. Think about that. It's just, I just, he just said, oh, I said, thanks for coming. He says, oh, thank you for blessing us. I thought, you blessed us. Yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. So Jesus warns us. He says to us in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 to 37, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Now that's a very hard scripture to sort of hang on. Every careless word you spoke. It's like, like you know, God has actually got up there a box full of every word that you are saying. So if the words that you have and the words that you speak are a product of your, something creative in your spirit that's coming out of your spirit, and it's because you've been created in the image of God that you had the, the, the facility to speak and be able to speak, and God says, that's like me. So every action that you do, which is not of God, that doesn't look like the morality of God, he keeps a tab of that. And every action that you do, which is good, that looks like the character of God, he keeps a tab of that. And every word that you speak that is creative, which is like God, he keeps a tab of that. And every word that is careless, that is free from labor at leisure, lazy, every lazy word that's not working for you, he's keeping an account of that too. Why? Because you've been created in the image of God and he's keeping a tally of his image on you. And your speech, the thing that comes out of your mouth, he's watching and he's listening. Every single word. That's why the psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my God. Well, God's looking at what you're thinking and he's looking at how you're processing things and he's looking at what is coming out of your mouth. Not only is he looking at it, he's keeping a record of it. And he says, one day, every careless word that you have said, I'm going to put on the table in front of you. And your words will bring you justification or your words will bring you condemnation. Now that's scary. I mean, we say, Jesus, cover me, cover me, Jesus. That's fine. Let the blood of Jesus cover you, but don't lose the point. 
Every single word is a creative word. Every single word has power in it. There is something creative and something destructive about speech. That's because God made it that way, and that's because God's speech is creative and it's also destructive. And you have that little bit of God in you because you have speech. We can't get monkeys to speak. We can't get, uh, we can get parrots to speak, but it's not really speaking. That thing about speech is distinctively human. Distinctively human. So God's words create faith and grows faith in our that's a creative thing that god's word does it says in in romans chapter 10 verse 70 consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of christ so faith comes and it's inspired in our hearts because god's word instills that faith in our lives so as we have faith in god and we go to god's word god's word brings confidence and faith in that in him you know so we go to god's word uh, uh, we sit there, we read God's word, and as we're reading God's word, we feel faith rise within us. We begin to believe in God more. We begin to, begin to believe that God is capable and is able to do those things that he said he's doing. Faith also comes from the manifestations of God's word. So if you, if you think about when Jesus was walking around and Jesus blind, healed blind people and he touched people's lives, they, they saw the miracles. They saw the manifestation of the word of God being worked out in people's lives. And when they saw the manifestation of God's word, it instilled and, and caused faith to rise in their lives. So people saw the miracles and they believed in him. They saw the water changed into wine and they believed in Jesus. They saw the incredible works that the word of God was doing and they believed in what Jesus was saying and what, was, what he was doing. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 16 verse 20, it says, and they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word that they were speaking through the accompanying signs. So as they spoke the word out there, as they preached the word out there, God was saying, yeah, have a, have a miracle along with it to show so that they can see and that they can believe the word that you're saying. So as we're preaching on the street, if you get a nudge to lay your hands on somebody and pray for something and somebody and believe for their healing, do it because God wants to confirm the word that you're preaching with a miracle with science following. So don't, don't feel like you can't do that. Recognize that God wants to do that and be bold enough to do that and God will work with you in that regard. Creation is a manifestation of God's word we're told. And that's why biology is so important to us. When we look at the things that God has made, we can see the handiwork of God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 120, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So that everything that God has made, that he's spoken to being, is a manifestation of the Word of God. So you have the written Word of God, which you have. It's the words that you sit in your Bible in front of you. And then you have the demonstrated Word of God in creation. It's all an, an extension of the Word of God. And as we look at creation, Jesus expects that as we look at creation and meditate on creation and think about creation, that faith would rise in our hearts, faith in His ability. He's the one who said, look, look at the birds. Look at the lilies of the field. Look, if you see the birds and you see the lilies, think about my ability to provide for you. Think about my ability to provide for you. Let your faith rise as you look at the manifestation of my word in creation. 
So whatever it is, whether it's the word of God or whether it's, whether it's in creation, God expects that his word or the manifestation of his word should inspire us to faith, should call us to a greater walk and dependence on him. That's what we're called to do. And Jesus is saying to us, look at the things that the word has made. Look at the things that the word sustains and believe God, believe him, trust him. Have faith in him. And Jesus' response to creative faith-filled speech when, he, when he's walking around. I, I, if you go through the, as you go through the, um, the Gospels, if you're re- listening to the Gospels on, on, on a CD, or it just, you're able to soak it in. And when you're going through and you listen to, you, you hear what people are saying. Like if you go through um, in Matthew chapter 8, you, you hear the leper comes to Jesus and he, you know, because the leper, he's been ostracized by society, he's cast out. He has to sort of ring a bell and start saying, unclean, unclean, don't come anywhere near me, don't come anywhere near me. He's, he's, he feels completely estranged from his society. And he comes up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Think about those words. Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Those words are filled with faith. They, they believe the ability of Jesus and they believe that it stems on his willingness. And Jesus says, I am willing. And he touched the man and immediately made him clean. It was like those faith-filled words that came out of the leper's heart produced in Jesus a response of, whoa, whoa, yeah, I like that. Yes, let's do that. I am willing. And as you go down, you, you get to the centurion, and the centurion says, look, come and my, 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 my servant is sick. And the centurion, Jesus says, well, I'm coming. And then the centurion says these words. He uses his mouth. He creates this thing in his head, and he says, Lord, I do not deserve you to have you come under my roof. Just say the word. So his speech created an opportunity of faith. His speech said, You don't need to come. You have the power to speak. And when you speak, it will happen in a distant place. You just speak the word and it will take place. And Jesus was amazed. He was astounded. This centurion was a Roman, not a Jew. This was a a foreigner. A dog was coming to him and now saying, I see and I know that you're a man of authority. I've drawn a little picture from authority. I know what it's like for me. I have authority. I tell this one, come and this one, go. He says, I've got this little power in my head. You have authority. Therefore, you ought to be able to do what I can do because I'm in authority. You can do things in authority. You know, Jesus, you just speak the word. It'll take place. He had a little parable in his head. He believed what he saw in his mind, that little parable. And he said, Jesus, you can do that. You just speak the word. And Jesus goes, whoa, I'm impressed. All in the mouth. All in the ability to speak. How does Jesus respond to the woman who's creeping through a crowd that's pressing up to him? This crowd is pressing onto this woman. She's had a a, a period that's lasted for maybe 12 years now. She can't get rid of this flow of blood. And as she's creeping through the crowd, crowd, she is saying, speech, creating, saying to herself, if I but touch the hem of the garment, I will be made whole. So she's saying that to herself as she's pressing through the crowd. 
the crowd is pushing on Jesus. She gets to, this, to, to the hem of Jesus and she touches the hem of garment. She is saying to herself, she is speaking out in her mind and to herself, creative words. She's saying, God it will heal me when I touch the hem of his garment. That's what she's saying to herself. She presses to the crowd, she touches the hem, and virtue flows from Jesus. He spins around and says, who touched me? And this disciple says, you're mad. How can you say who touched me? How can you say who touched me? Can't you see the crowd is pushing on you? You're being hustled and bustled by many people here. How can you say somebody touched me? Someone touched me. You know the difference between her touch and everybody else's touch? It was the fact that she was saying something. Speech, creative speech was in her mind. She was saying, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She said it and because she said it, it released virtue from God. God responds to the creative word that we speak. Think about that. You've been given created in the image of God, you'll be given speech that's part of God. You have the ability to speak words. God's weighing the words and he shows us in his word how he rewards faith-filled words. Here's the contrast. You go to Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, we have a couple of things happening. Here at the top of the mountain, Peter, James and John are watching Jesus shine in front of them and they're just in awe of this. Jesus now is talking with Elijah and Moses and he's glowing in front of them like he's radiant, shining out of it. It's just coming out and, and, and they're all on their faces going, oh, and Peter's putting his foot in his mouth saying, we should build three temples up here, one for Elijah, one for you and one for Moses. You know, He doesn't know what else to say. They come down from the mountain. The other disciples have been down on the mountain sort of praying, having a little healing service while Jesus is on the mountain. And they get to this man, and this man has a boy. And this boy has is, is got a demon inside him, and the demon won't come out. They've been praying and praying and praying, and the demon won't come out. It's a stubborn demon. And so Jesus goes to them, and he says, what's going on? Because it's the commotion. This is sort of a big noise. You know, they can't deal with this demon. Jesus says, what's, going to happen? what's happening here? And he enters into a discussion. And as soon as this boy sees Jesus, the manifestation of the demon throws the boy into, into convulsing. And, and, and he says, you know, how long has he been like this? And the man says, well, he's been like this since the child. And then he says these words, it is often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, notice those words. He's saying, if you can do anything he's not saying i will be made whole he's not saying you can heal me if you are willing he's saying if you can do anything which is i don't know whether your disciples can't and i'm not sure whether you can so there's a whole different load here and i like the way mark stops the whole thing he says okay did you catch that did you see that he says if you can said jesus he stopped and he picked those words the man said he says if you can and then he says everything is possible for them that believe you see though jesus is actually saying you're not going to get me with these words you're not going to release the power of God in your life with these words. If you can do this, God, please help me. God is not impressed by such doubt, by such uh, confusion in your mind. He responds, 
towards those who speak the word of God and boldly believe what God has shown himself through the manifestation of his word and through the manifestation of, of, of the created order. He, he responds to those who are filled with his ability to do those things. But to those who don't believe in him, he can't do much at all. He goes to his hometown he starts ministering in his hometown and he is amazed. Now, Jesus is amazed about a lot of things, but Jesus is amazed when he gets to his hometown. He's amazed at their lack of faith. And the Bible tells us he, cannot, he can't do any great works there. He can only heal a number of people. And here we have Jesus, the incarnate word of God, who is now limited because he's trying to minister in his hometown. What's in his hometown? We know where you come from. We know your brothers. We know your mother. We know your father. We know all about you. you there's even a, a rumor over your hot old head that you're an illegitimate child. You were conceived out of wedlock. So we know where you come from. And they don't believe him. And because they don't believe him and because there's all this stuff in the background, they speak that out. And of course, he can't do much there. Think about that. You create the atmosphere to God to work in your life by your speech. You create the atmosphere in your situation to do great things or to do little things. You create the atmosphere by the way you speak about God and his ability and the way you speak about what he can do for you. You create the atmosphere. God gives you something of his divine nature in speech. The way you speak can be godlike or demonic. That's your choice. And Jesus exhorts us to use faith in his ability and our words to overcome. He says these things. He says like this, Mark eleven twenty three, And we read this. He says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says... It will be done for him. He says, whatever he asks or whatever he says. Notice he says, you need to say it before it's actually moved. You have to look at the thing and say, you know, there's a mountain here, an obstacle in, in face of me. And I look around and I think about God's ability and there is nothing too, too hard for God to do. You know, it's this big obstacle, this mountain that is facing me. Is it too big for the hand of God? There's a question now what I believe. Well, if I listen to the world and I listen to everybody else who's talking in the world, it's all nonsense, jumbo-bumbo, there's God stuff and I wouldn't believe. But if I stop listening to the world and I look at what I see in creation and the manifestation of God's word in creation, if I pick up the word of God and I read the word of God and faith starts to rise in my mind and start to, 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 to water the garden of my soul, my faith believes God can move that mountain. So I look at that mountain, my, my heart is bubbled up with faith. I say, move mountain. And whatever I say, Jesus says, it will happen. Nothing can stand in your way. Oh, that's, you're going hyper. No, I'm not going hyper. I'm just taking you to the word and saying that your speech is creative. Your speech is creative. There's a powerful picture in, the, in Ezekiel I want you to look to. Ezekiel 31. We have Ezekiel going into a valley. And God shows him something. He says, Ezekiel, what do you see? He says, there's a valley full of dry bones. 
And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in this open valley, and indeed they were very dry. So he's getting a good gist. He's walking through this valley, and there's heaps of dried bones, and it's all very, very dry, dusty dry, and there's lots and lots of bones everywhere. Very dry. Death is everywhere around him. And then God asks him a question. He said to Ezekiel, he said, Son of man, can these bones live? There's your challenge for faith. In the face of absolute death, destruction, when you're looking at it all and it's death around you and it's dry, he says, son of man, tell me, is there enough bread here to feed 5,000? Son of man, is there enough faith here to open the eyes of the blind? Son of man... Will these bones live? And Ezekiel says, this is the wise choice. You know, you alone know. If you want them to live, that's up to you. He's not saying, oh, they can't. There's no way. I've been through, I've kicked the dust, I've I've measured the moisture content in the bones. There's absolutely no life in the bones, no life in the dust. We've done the stats. We've done the empirical testing. These are completely dead. There's nobody alive here. Haven't been for a long time. He's not asking that question. He's asking a faith-filled question. Can it live? And Ezekiel says, whatever you say. No. If we, if we get that far in our faith, well, whatever you say, God, whatever you say, that's what it is. We've gone a long way. Stop, stop saying what you think. Stop saying what you think you see. Start saying what God says. Whatever you say. When you look at the situation, say, can I be healed? Stop saying what others are telling you. Start saying what God has said to you. You said I can be. So it's whatever you say, God. Whatever you say, that's what counts. Your words are better than my words. I'm going to join my words with your words. Your words are creative and powerful. I'm going to make my words creative and powerful. I'm going to say your words, whatever you say. And Ezekiel says, prophesy, he's told by the Lord, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Whoa, whoa, prophecy. What's the word prophecy mean? To cause to bubble up, hence to pour forth words abundantly, as is done by those who speak with ardor and divine emotion of mind. That's what the word prophecy means. To pour forth speech. It's looking at your death situation. It's looking at the destruction that's in front of you. It's looking at hopelessness and, 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 and the thing that, 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 that haunts you. It's looking at the mountain and it's being filled with all the words of God that can speak to the mountain. And then prophecy is pouring out, gushing forth. This is what God says. Boof! To the mountain. Of course, you've got to know what God says. You've got to spend time in the Word. And you've got to spend time waiting and meditating on the immense power of God for him ability to do that. You want to prophesy to the dry bones? You've got to know what God is saying. It says, I will put sinews on you and flesh upon you, cover you with skin. Can we get rid of that? No, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
And he says, um, and you will have breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thank you. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. Now notice that. This prophecy was not something that he had made up. So there's a a secret in terms of speaking to the mountain. Don't use words that you have made up. It's not speak to the mountain with the words that God has spoken, that the word he has commanded. Are you sitting there with your fear in your life? And fear is riddling you all over the place. You can't function properly without having this fear overcome your life. You say, well, this is a mountain that's going to destroy me, this fear that, that, that attacks me. I, I just can't do what I want to do. And I just, I, I can't overcome my life. It's just so riddled with fear. Well, that may be the state of the valley of the dry bones. But what does the Lord say about fear? Perfect love casts out fear. That's what the Lord said about fear. Does he love you? He loves me perfectly. Do I love him? I love him perfectly. Okay, then fear must be cast out. The word of God says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and of sound mind. That would be a great place to start with fear. You know, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. So I'm saying to the mountain of fear now, you know what? You don't belong to me. Get out of my face because God hasn't given me fear. He's given me love and power and a sound mind. That's a great place to start. He says, fear not for I am with you. Oh, that's another one. Now the words begin to bubble up out of my spirit. I'm not going to fear because the word of God says, fear not for I am with you. He said he'd never leave me nor would he ever forsake me. Where am I boldly? Say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And the words begin to gush out as you address the situation that stands and defies the living God. Don't use your words. Use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and attack the enemy with it. Don't just sit there and say, I can't do anything about it. You can use your war, your words, your God-created words, and you can destroy the enemy. It's your speech. Life and power in the mouth. The way you speak. And then as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so you said it, so I'm going to say, breathe now, corpses, because they're no longer dry bones, there's corpses laying there. The first prophecy produced the corpse from the dry bones, but the work wasn't finished and they had to keep on prophesying. The second one was he started to breathe life into it. Live, live, be alive. When was the last time you faced your mountain with words of such faith? When the, when the, 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 the devil was at the door taking all your income away from you and you thought... you. You're going to be broke. You're going to go broke. You're not going to be able to survive. When was the last time you stood there and you said, I've looked at the sparrows, devil. I've looked at the lilies of the field. And you know what the word says? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. I'm standing with God. I'm prophesying to you. Lack of supply. Be bountiful and supply. Come to us now in Jesus' name. You've got a choice, you know. You can sit down and you can, I don't know what to do and line up in a queue. Or you can start to speak confident words of faith. God is waiting. 
Jesus is desirous. Come on, guys. Come on. Use that, that thing that I made you with when I created you. I gave you a voice. I gave you speech. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Come on. Come on there. You are not an animal. You don't have to bark and howl at the, at the moon. You can speak words of life into your situation. So I prophesied as I was commanded, he said, and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Wow, that was good. You did well, Ezekiel. What was the point? Everything is written down for our learning. We have a choice. You have faith in God's ability and speak to the dry bones and the mountains in their lives or you let them overcome you. You know, our use of words, we can destroy faith in God's ability or we can build faith in God's ability. James warns us about the power of the tongue. He says, not many of you should be presumed to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that those who teach are judged more strongly. So he says, don't everybody stand up and want to be a teacher of the word because he says, you know what? Every time Mark opens his mouth, I'm keeping a record and everything he says that's not right, I'm going to kick his backside when he gets here. Who would want that? Every time you speak, a record being taken. That's why you shudder. That's why you shake, those who preach. It's because we know this verse. We know that he says this, that he's got a watch on it. Don't think that you can just rattle your mouth off. In today's society, words are so plenteous. We just speak and speak and speak. Everybody's talking. All casual nonsense words. Everybody's rattling. Believers are rattling. You listen to them, they just rattle. And I think, what, what was the purpose of that discussion or that conversation? There was no, there was, there was absolutely, I mean, yeah, you shake your head. I know this man, he said, what's the purpose of sitting in small talk? You know, we, we have, you know, well, no, it's nice to be hospitable. You know, there's a place for hospitality. You know. <laughs> said, nah, yeah, well, there is. And sometimes small talk can be hospitable. It can encourage and edify and strengthen those that you're spending time with. It might not seem like you're achieving much when you're talking to somebody on the street with spray cans in their pockets. But, you know, the small talk you're spending the time with, and that may be more than what anybody else has done that evening. So your speech, he says, be careful how you speak. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. That's what our ambition and that's what our goal is, to, to speak but to never stumble in our speech so that we can be perfect before God. And God wants us to be perfect. He says to us, be ye perfect as I am perfect. That means he wants us to be perfect in our speech as well. He says, the tongue is a fire, in verse 6. He says, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the course of his life on fire and is set upon Fire by hell. He says, with the tongue we praise our God and Father and with the tongue we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. So we say, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Bless the Lord, hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. We love you, we love you, love you. Oh, shut up, will you? You horrible piece of... He says, how can this be? How is it you can come here and say, oh, sweet, 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 nothings to everybody else. And then when you come home, you turn around to your mother and say, you piece of dirt. How can it be? How can it be? Well, just think, 
God is keeping a record of those words. Just think about that. You need to put your mind on that. If you thought the speech was special, let me tell you, it is very special. I don't know of anybody else who can do that. I mean, a donkey did it once because God gave him the power to do it. But apart from that, I don't know of anything else apart from a parrot that speaks. It's pretty special. It makes you different to the rest of the animals. And God is looking at your speech. And he's looking at what's coming out of your mouth. He's weighing it up. We can kill with our words. What a, I looked at that little boy's face and I just felt, oh, you poor little darling. Do you see anything that gets get you? Look at the thing that's around his neck. There's a fist. Around it, it's got moron. And it's got other horrible words. Fool. That's what's being... This is the way that men discipline their children these days. Saying, you rotten piece of dirt. And they just speak evil into the, the life of the child. Speak words that kill and destroy into the life of a child. Poor little darling. You just want to give him a hug, don't you? Say, it's okay, it's okay. Or our words can bring healing and life. We can speak life. We can create life. We can, we can plant a seed that grows into something. We can, we can invest. We can use words to invest life into somebody's life. We can speak words of life and bring them life. You know, it's our choice. We were created in the likeness of God. And part of that likeness was the faculty of speech. That's what he gave us. Speak God's creative words into your situations. That's my encouragement for you today. I don't know where you're at in terms of what's going on in your life. I know there are lots of things that we struggle. There's a scripture that, that, uh, that uh, Jade brought out this morning in 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation that has come near you is uh, strange or uncommon. It's all common to man. But God will provide a way to escape it so that you can bear up underneath it. You know what the way to escape is? Use your mouth. Build faith into your whole body and into your life by meditating on the Word of God and by looking at His created order and saying, God, you are able. Our God is able. Our God is bigger. One of the things that my daughter, my daughter Renee, when she, they told her, 99 odd percent chance you'll never have a baby. You know, you've gone through chemotherapy and the chem cells, so you'll never have a baby. Jenny would say, our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. She would just look and say, we've got a big God. We're not here about talking about the smallness of our God. We're talking about the hugeness of our God. We have an enormous God, a God who rules over this place. A God who sustains it, who keeps it in order. The sun rises in the morning and goes down at night time. It rains when everybody says, no more rain coming, we're drying out. We'll be aware of the global effect, you know. We're going to have to put the water rates up. And God says, he laughs from the heaven and says, I'm going to pour out more water than you can put anywhere. That's how big our God is. He makes a fool of everybody who says other words other than his words. Take the word of God. Build it into your life, build it into your mind and use the word of God in your situation. Say, you know what? This ability to speak is one of the greatest tools that God has ever given me. With my mouth, I am going to frame my life, the universe. 
I'm going to speak words into my situations. Dry lands are going to be flourishing with water. Death is going to come to life. Sickness is going to go. I'm going to speak words of life into those situations. Prisoners are going to be released. The shackles are going to break off people's lives. Now, you can't make it happen in a person's life, but you can speak those words over your own life. And that's your choice. And God is watching what you choose and taking a record of it. Let's pray. Father, help us to speak as if we were speaking the very oracles of God. Help us, Lord, to let your whole world so words so fill our lives that we've hidden your word in, your heart, in our hearts that we would not sin against you. Lord, you said that how shall a young man keep his way clean by keeping it according to your word. Father, your word sustains us when we are weak. Your word is our strength. Your work, word is a light into our path. Lord, your word is right there for us when we need it, O oh God. And I pray, O oh God, that we learn to speak your words into the situations of our lives. Father, whatever they are, Lord, we just stop and we think you're bigger. Every knee shall bow before you, Jesus. You're greater, Lord Jesus. And if we can't say that in our lives, Father, we can't see that in our lives, help us to stop and to wait on you, Lord Jesus, and to read your word until up from within us bubbles faith, Lord Jesus, in your ability. Up from within us comes gushing forth words of life, Lord Jesus. Lord, just teach us to be your vessels, we pray. Pouring forth your blessing, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.